Praise the Lord, everybody. You can be seated for a moment. I was thinking, we've had every style to sing tonight, so if I had to sing and had to sing a new style, I'd have to rap. So I won't sing. And then I got thinking of all the sermons we've heard tonight. I'd have to preach on marriage, divorce, or communion, or the end time. And I'm not going to do that either. Praise God. No, I'm just having fun. Uh, what an awesome presence of the Holy Ghost here. And I want to say, first and foremost, amen to Bishop Shield. I just, uh, the longer I'm here, the more I admire you and your wife and your family and the ministry. I've been told numerous times, the first time my mom came here, she called me and says, Paul, you would like this church. You would like this church. And uh, so she's up in heaven now supporting me tonight. But 52 years, what a remarkable testimony. And still on fire for God right now. Amen. The pastor, Jason Shield, and, and your wife, amen. What an honor to meet you. Inspiration to my wife and I, and to this church, uh, I have hosted many meetings at my local church, and I've been on uh, probably, I'd be safe in saying right at 80 to 100 boards that put on conferences. I was voted in the night I graduated from high school to become a sectional youth leader of 24 churches. I didn't even know what it was. My dad came up and said, congratulations. I hadn't preached yet. I wasn't doing anything at my local church but playing the drums. But a group of men voted. My dad said, he don't even do that at our church. They said, well, we just feel God wants him to, and this will make him do it. And uh, I found out right away I had to run a couple camps. I had to run this and that and whatever. And uh, it didn't take but a couple days, and it became my life, and it's been my life ever since. But I'm at all of how hard this church works so diligently. I think all of us guests need to give them just an appreciation. I mean that. And uh, I want to say this without breaking. Brother Shield, thank you for uh, showing your love and concern to our family. I've had two deaths in my family, my grandmother of 96 years of age, and then not far after, my mom with the eight days of warning. And both times your pastor came and showed up and supported our family. And I want you to know that never went unnoticed to the Deeds family. Thank you so much. I give honor to my father, which probably done shut off Holy Ghost Radio, says they're going to sing all night. Dad, if you're listening, we love you. And I give honor to him, my pastor, my father, my hero. Amen. And to my wife of 26 years, I love you, Cheryl. Thank you for being here with me. She don't always get to travel. Amen. She's a grandma now, and we love every minute of it. Praise God. And I appreciate my home church. Say to my family that are here, amen, Chris and Tanya and Catalina, the flirt. I've been watching. She's the flirt. And uh, to Derek and Leslie and Shelby and Luke, amen. We love you guys. And to my, my aunt, my dad's sister, Eileen, and my uncle Fred, amen. We love you so much. And it's an honor to 
preach at your home church. Praise God. And so many ministry friends here tonight, we give you praise and in uh, a, a good way, not in a God way, but we thank you for being here. My good friend, Brother Daniel McDonald, showed up, and uh, good to see you. And uh, Bishop Kavnis, what a, what a great man of God. Love Bishop. And uh, he told me, he said, just get up there and get him going. I said, uh, and you have a shout out. I said, you tried and it didn't work, so if you can't do it, I can't. <laughs> man, God is so good, isn't he? Uh, I'll be very observant of the time, but I do uh, want to minister what God gave me tonight. I don't come to you with all the answers. I don't have the answers. Uh, talk to Brother Urshan and Brother Spell. They may have the answers. The men up here. I, I don't. But I do have a burden. And I have a want to. And, uh, and I just want to share with you something that strengthened me some months back. Amen. I didn't start the church I pastor. I've pastored uh, here in January coming up. will be 15 years. And 10 years before that, I was a full-time assistant at our church. I principled a school for 20 years for our church and was youth leader. So I, I've known nothing but this. And I took a very good church. And I'm pastor number six at our church but in between my dad and I now we have pastored almost 46 years in the same city and uh, so I don't have the answers I'm in a small city of less than 5,000 people I looked it up today just to be safe uh, hey Siri what's the population of Buchanan Michigan and Siri told me and she don't lie 4,400 and something people on our last census. And I say that to say this. Um, our church has had, uh, every year, we, we, we do all kinds of stuff to bring hundreds of guests to our church outside of bus ministry. We do run six buses and vans, or five. We have a sixth one ready. And I, I'm just taking my time. Is that all right? Amen. And so when I preach tonight, I'm not, I'm not telling you that uh, and, 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 and saying no one else is doing it. I'm encouraging all of us. I, as a pastor, have to encourage myself often. I have to remind myself often as the, the sister, I forget your name and I apologize, but you gave the testimony and sang the song that you wrote about it, uh, about being discouraged, but I'm not going to give up. And I'm here to tell you in 2018, and I, you've probably heard this, and I hope you've heard it this year, because that means that God is telling many of his shepherds and telling many in the ministry that we have a revival for us. Well, that didn't go over, so maybe that's why God gave it to me. All those prayers that have been prayed that, that someone already, I told my wife on the way here, I said, all I got to do is take excerpts from every testimony and sermon that's been preached and put it together, a little collage and play it tonight. And they've already preached my message. So I'm just going to reaffirm it for a little while. 
Praise God. But there is revival for us. And I don't want to, I don't want to, when I get preaching, they look like Paul Deeds. Because I'm not going to brag. I'm not even going to probably give you any numbers. I'm not doing that. I'm just going to encourage you to go forward in the way God's been calling you to go forward. I really believe that if the church would be obedient to the voice of God, and everybody would get busy doing what God tells them, and it wouldn't take a whole lot. God's not going to rob you from your wife and from your children and from your, your church and your job, but God's got something for every individual that's in this building tonight. And I'm here to tell you, when every church can ever get to the point where they all just do their part, we're going to see revival that the balcony would be full of B.B. Arkansas. Come on, you, you may not see it, but without a vision, the people perish. And uh, I just feel that God wants to, to tell us a few things. Let's stand together, and I promise you, I, I am Alfred Deeds' son. I don't know when he preaches here if he, he listens to all the advice he gives me. But... Uh, you know, I'm already under the gun because everybody that's came up to me, can you preach like your dad, man, your dad can preach, can you? No, I can't. Uh, he's Alfred Deeds and I'm Paul Deeds. But uh, I will be observant of the time, but let's, let's receive something from the Lord tonight. And I'll, I'll pass through things. Is that a deal? If you preach with me, I won't go forever. All right? If you don't, I'll go forever. Is that a deal? All in favor say aye. Any opposed? Okay, we got a deal. Acts 9.31, one verse. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. I don't make a real habit, but let me read a translation of that. The church in Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had a time of peace. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, these group of believers became stronger in faith, showed their respect for the Lord by the way they lived. So the church everywhere grew in numbers. I want to speak on this thought tonight, the essentials. For the church to grow. The essentials for the church to grow. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Give us ears to hear and heart and mind to obey your word tonight. God, help me to speak your anointed word without fear or favor. That which you've given me tonight for your people. And Lord, I promise I'll speak it without fear or favor. Help us, God, right now. I know we're getting tired and hungry. But let us hear from you and go forward and have the revival that you want to give to this day. 2018. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church say amen. 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 Why don't you find two or three people you haven't even talked to today. Shake their hand. Tell them who you are. Stretch a little bit. Amen. And then tell them preach with the preacher.
Praise God. <clears throat> God bless you. You may be seated. I will not take time to bring us to this verse and this text, but long story short, we see Saul starting the chapter to go out and murder Christians. But it ends with a Damascus Road experience, and he's preaching, and now we're drawn to this point. Let me tell you this, that God not only desires, but he commands for the church to grow. It's a twofold growth, I believe, the church to grow numerically. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 11.30 that he that winneth the soul is wise. Luke chapter 14, verse 23 tells us that he says, The house, uh, my house, may be filled. So go out into the highways and the byways and bring them in so that his house is full. We see the progression of how God multiplied in the book of Acts, chapter 2, the birth of the New Testament church. We see it started with 120. But when you get to the latter part of that same chapter, it ended at the day of 3,000 being added. In fact, after that, it said the Lord added daily to the church. You see in Acts chapter 5, verse 14, that uh, multitudes were added to the church. We find in Acts eleven twenty four that much people were added to the church. It's God's will for the church to grow. It's God's will for us to help the church to grow. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians that we are, every last one of us, our ambassadors. Luke chapter 15 verse 7 says that, that heaven rejoices over one sinner that repenteth. Praise God. 2 Corinthians, let me read it to you, chapter 5 verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry, everybody say the ministry, of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word, everybody say the word, of reconciliation. It's God's will for the church to grow, and he's called all of us to be ambassadors. He's given all of us the word in the ministry of reconciliation. Don't step back and say there's nothing for me to do in the church. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how long you've been serving God. There is something for you to do for the church. Don't let your testimony die. Don't shut your mouth. Don't be afraid to praise God. Don't be afraid to invite someone to the house of God. Second, it's God's will for the church to grow internally. Praise God. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace, in the knowledge of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 25 says, Until we come to the knowledge of the truth. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that they may grow thereby. I don't know about you, but I want to 
grow in God. I've been born and raised in this uh, almost 49 years old, but I still want to grow in God. I remember listening to my grandmother in her 90s praying, God, let me get closer to you. And I'm here to tell you, not only do I want to grow in God, but I want the church to grow. I said I want revival in my city. I want revival in my family. I want revival in my neighborhood. Oh, somebody, if you want to see somebody saved in the next six months, why don't you just give God some praise right now and call their name before heaven? Hear me out. Much money and time is put into growing churches. I'm as guilty as the last, and that's not all bad. In fact, in my church, I have spent hundreds, thousands of dollars in the last two years. I was in prayer two years ago and, and just said, God, you know, is it wrong to, to, to have some, some plans? And is it wrong to to put some order and I was looking in the word of God in Luke 10 and I seen that God had structure and God had order and God made accountability as he sent them out two by two and they came back and they had to give reports and and then I begin the reading uh, that he said it goes into the highways and the byways uh, that my house uh, may be full. So I presented to our church a little a little contest, so to speak, uh, called the uh, Full House Mission uh, to fulfill the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And so we started putting these things together called Full House Services. Uh, and we put programs together uh, I'm, not, I'm saying we had church and I would preach for 20 or 30 minutes on the death, the burial and the resurrection and we would bring people in. The first year we had over 500 guests, not including bus ministry, come through the doors of our church and before that year ended, I looked it up and we had 20 something new people sitting in the pews worshiping God, living for God, paying their tithes clean, the undefiled of the world change their life. You say, what is that all? There's something about it. We need a little bit of structure. Programs aren't the answer. They're just aids. But I'm here to tell you, and there's structure to create accountability. But don't get mad when a preacher says, hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Get in there with all you got and give God all you have in prayer and ability. I'm going to get through this. I thought of the song. I heard it. If we are his hands, then why ain't we reaching? If we are his feet, then where are we going? We are his voice. What are we saying? Reminds me of a message years ago that Brother Huntley preached at our old campgrounds that we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. As I've already told you, I don't have the answers, but I just want to encourage somebody tonight. There's some essentials we got to have to have revival, and one of them is we got to come into the house of God. And we got to be unified. We got to support the man of God. And we got to get behind him and say, We're going to sing with everybody. We're going to worship with everybody. And we're going to preach with the preacher. I want and I desire a move of God and revival. I got a great church, a revival church. God's been so good. 
But if we don't watch it, we'll fall after statistics and not after real conversions. Hear me, hear me. Quantity is nice, but it's not always quality. And as Brother Urshan already said it today, that doesn't mean a, an attitude of us four and no more. But we can't, we can't be caught not being busy about the Father's business. Praise God. There's a force that against the church that is trying to intimidate this generation. Let me just preach. I, I've been raised in this, as I've already told you. Romans chapter 3, 13, verse 11 says that it's high time or it's the hour. It's our time. And I believe we're living in high time right now. Praise God. But there's, there's this intimidation factor against my age group and especially those just below me. I don't want to give the adversary any credit, but Brother Shield, I have seen too many of my friends in my generation that have went the way of the world because of the intimidation. One of our preachers today even mentioned uh, the pressure that was put on them, and I've had that same applied to me, uh, that, man, if you just do this, your church would double. If you just do this, your ministry would do this. Uh, but the problem is uh, I would just have quantity, uh, but I wouldn't have quality. Uh, but the Bible says come out uh, from among them. Uh, listen, uh, I'm not talking about clotheslining it, uh, but I'm talking about staying in the book. Uh, I'm talking about living a holy separated life uh, and preaching the undefiled uh, truth. Even, even in our realms, I, I used to serve on a ministerial committee for our area. And uh, I won't go into details, but it, it, it got to where the, the pressure there, they're trying to get everybody to endorse it. And this LGBT movement. And uh, I did some studying. I even looked it up again today to make sure that nothing's changed since I I done my study on it. And there's uh, there's 49 organizations in the United States that support that already. They have already had their board meetings and they are endorsing that. And even some of them claim to be apostolic. Let me. I copied and pasted this straight from their 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 paper. It's called the APCI is fully affirming church open to all persons. Unlike most apostolic churches, APCI is an LGBT affirming. Uh, their anti-discrimination policy includes uh, numerous categories including race, sexual orientation, gender identity. In matters of doctrine, their beliefs are similar to those of most apostolic Pentecostal churches. Uh, the oneness of God, water baptism by full immersion uh, in the name of Jesus for forgiveness of sins. The baptism of the Holy Ghost with the essential evidence of speaking in other tongues in holiness of life and heart. The APCI adheres firmly to their teachings and does not give ministerial credentials to those holding other beliefs. Unlike most other apostolic churches, the APCI does not believe that being homosexual, bisexual, or transgender is sinful. They base this on the view of their understanding of the Hebrew and Greek texts of Scripture as do 
other organizations. April 8, 2016, they changed its views regarding their stand on apostolic faith, baptism, and salvation in oneness theology. Recently, apostolic oneness pastors have been withdrawing from the organization. Do you see this? It's the progression of deterioration through deception. They are slowly moving around. And can I tell you, you and I ain't exempt from that. All it takes is one man of God to die and the other generation not to have it in their heart, brother. As you preach today, I'm here to tell you, thank God for these bishops and elders that are here tonight and you pastors. Uh, but I'm here to tell you, Sister Wendell told us, uh, hey, you teenagers, uh, do you have a revelation of the oneness? Uh, do you have a revelation of who God is? And that's one of many forces of intimidation. The adversary wants to accomplish nothing less than for us to dilute the truth, for us to compromise our stands on separation. He wants us to destroy our very foundation. He wants us to get in arguments and dispute our elders. He wants us to waver on the absolutes that are in God's word. He wants us to cower down to the spirits that are trying to come in and take over the church on an outside forces. He wants us to lose the fight that is within us. He wants us to give in to this world's philosophy but I would like to say tonight there's a church not just in BB but there's a church, the apostolic church that is not going to yield, that's not going to bow, that's not going to give in. The, the devil the devil he understands where we're at he understands what's there for us right now. He understands our light's brighter than it's ever been. He understands that we are the salt of the earth. He understands the revival that is awaiting us. Brother Coburn, he understands that if we just get a glimpse of what God wants to do through us, that there's no end, that there's going to be revival. I'll I tell, tell you what kicked it off. Sister uh, uh, Wendell, when you got up and testified last night and said something's been stirring in your spirit uh, immediately, and I know I'm kind of, I kind of feel somewhat of a resistance here tonight, not in a bad way. I feel that spirit is trying to creep in and I know we're tired uh, and I understand that uh, but it's trying to tell us no it's just another preacher up there screaming and yelling uh, and getting red in the face uh, but I'm here to tell you I see the revival I hear about the revival and I choose to be a part of the revival if the adversary just gets you off track if you can get us just to draw back if he could inject some intimidation at us, as, as I said, someone's already said it, to get us off the, the old paths. He knows he could stunt the growth of the church. Not just numerically, but internally. I'm, let, me, let me tell this generation of mine. I live in a little city, but I'm 17 miles from a, a metro area. University of Notre Dame, South Bend, and all that now has come to right at a million people. And in that, that area, they are closing up little churches one after another. And they're starting the mega churches. And I've had youth that I've poured my life into, and I've given them all I got. 
and they're going to those mega churches and it, it stirred some young people in my church and young marrieds and they came to me and they said, Pastor, how, how come and people are seeing some type of a change and these people are really, they're, they're getting some, I know they don't baptize, I don't, they don't even preach the essentiality of baptism. My backyard is a big retreat center for pastors uh, and these pastors that come to that, to that retreat center, I bought one of their homes. Uh, they, 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 they have large churches churches and uh, I could name some of their names and you'd probably recognize them uh, and they preach that and they pump that uh, and it's all about community and it's all about doing things in the community and I understand that and I, I don't have a problem with that my church does a lot for our community but I'm here to tell you I don't get salvation out of that uh, and it doesn't bring salvation to them uh, if I give them food and I give them clothing uh, and I give them something to drink and eat uh, but I gotta give them the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, repentance, uh, baptism in Jesus' name, uh, and living a holy life, uh, and come in the church, uh, and quit the talking like the world, uh, looking like the world, acting like the world. For two miles, all my neighbors are ministry, all of them. That's quite a few. In my little city, this ministry has over 200 full-time workers. And 1 Peter 4, 17, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly in the sinner appear? I'm here to tell you, as I told some men in my church that were looking at all that, and they work with these people, and they're putting the pressure on them. I said, listen, have they obeyed the gospel? Have they repented, been baptized in the name of Jesus, uh, received the Holy Ghost evidence, speaking in other tongues, uh, and are they living a separated life? They said no, but they're good people. They no longer drink. They no longer cheat. They no longer cuss. I said, listen, that does not change me. If they're righteous, scary. they're righteous people, but they haven't come to the gospel yet. Don't let them mess with your mind. Don't let them think that you got to cave in. This apostolic holiness message in church. If it was to ever fade away in this city, it wouldn't be something that happened overnight. Like someone with a cut open artery, they don't bleed to death immediately. But little by little, the life is taken away from them. I talked to a young man the other day to do a funeral. And they said, listen, our dad bled to death. It took months. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And he had a little bit of blood given to him. But little by little, he bled internally. Then he got to the point they couldn't resurrect his life. They couldn't bring it back. Praise God. So I say the cry for this day is God heal us. Restore us reinvigorate us bring us back to a state of, of your vision and your mind 
Too many things, if we don't watch it, go in reverse. We can't run in reverse. I knew a boy at 10 years old that backed his dad's car into the neighbor's car. That same boy, after he married, he built a garage on his house and was so excited he pulled his truck in his garage and was wanting to make sure where to mark the tire. And he got out and he marked it, looked, and the door closed, opened the door, was so excited, backed out of his garage because it's the first garage he built and forgot to close the door of his truck and bent the door back. Same man got a real nice truck, put a nice cap on it, was looking to see if the hatch would open and close under the garage door being open and sure enough and got in his truck, backed it back out forgot to close the hatch of that brand new $1,200 cap knocked it out same man put up a basketball hoop for his son and the next day he backed out of his garage and hit the hoop he just put up the same man his son got his license and says, Dad, I parked my car over there. Make sure you don't hit it. The first time that man left to go to church, he backed out and hit that guy's car. The same man was backing out of his driveway, got a text message, looked at it, kept going in reverse, hit his neighbor's mailbox. So then he put it in drive and was still reading the text and ran over his own mailbox. The same man hired someone to paint his house, and he seen him, got out of his car, backed around, turned in his turnaround driveway, and backed right into the painter's house, our car. You know why I know? Because I'm that man. You don't pay attention, and you try to do things backwards. Uh, it's never going to pay off. And I'm here to tell you right now, there's no new method. There may be a new program. There may be a new little headline. But here to tell you, revival is going to happen the same way that it's always happened. Praise God. I'm going to speed up. The only time we, we go back as a people. Proverbs 22, 28 says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Proverbs 23, 10, this one chapter later, Remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways. When you study that out, it's telling you that you've come to an intersection. Or you'll find that most translations will reference when you come to the crossroads. When you come to an intersection and you don't know what to do, he said, just don't sit there and say, well, I'll try this and I'll try that and maybe this or go by your own vision. But he said this, and see and ask. See and ask. Let me tell you, we got to go to our man of God and say, come on, tell me where to go. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to have revival. Tell me what I need to do in the church. Walk therein. And you shall find rest. Well, this people didn't want to do it. They wouldn't listen to the watchman. 
Praise God. The adversary is, is trying his dead level best. And I, I, I know this because I'm witnessing this within my own church. My own family. Whether you want to admit it or not. Maybe I'm going to be a little too transparent. But if you think preachers don't ever sit there and think in their mind. and They don't ever have to sit there and really get a hold of God to put a stake in the ground. You parents that get those kids and you don't want to have to tell them no. It's quiet in here. Maybe you raise perfect kids, but in Michigan, they challenge their parents. And that baby, it, it, that maybe he has to go to a public school and you, you just, oh, I don't know, well, maybe. I, I, I. If I get out of line, you, you fold my coattail. You get those grandbabies. Man, you don't want the preacher to pick on them. Your marriage has a little ups and downs. A little bit of ruffle, and you sit there and, well, I don't know if I can do it the way the preacher's preaching. The Bible tells me. Your career starts where you have to draw lines. Am I going to? marry my career or I'm going to stay married to the church. So many voices trying to be accepted. I like, I like what a, a preacher said the other day, Brother Shield. He said a man, I talked to this preacher, he said a man come in his office and was mad and a hornet. And he sat down and says, Pastor, I've raised my kid in the church and brought him to your school, brought him to this church. And I, and it started blaming him. And the pastor said, sir, I'm just so sorry. You didn't raise your kid in the church. He said, you brought him to church. But you raised him in your home. Oh, God. Hey, man, I, I had children in my house that wanted to play sports just like everybody else. I had girls that were tempted and drawn just like everybody else. I had to fight music. I had to fight worldly boyfriends and girlfriends just like anybody else. And that, that appeal and that draw. But I'm here to tell you, thank God that every time that that happened, I, I didn't have to drag them and take them to their grandpa and say, hey, you need to tell them, you need to preach to them. But my wife and I, Brother, brother Spell, we had done it more than once. We would grab one of our children and say, come on, we got to go up to the church and pray. They may have never prayed one prayer, but they heard mom and dad travail and get a hold of God then I would take them in the car and say, listen, you may not understand right now, but mom and dad's got to draw this line. This is where God said draw. We didn't blame it on the pastor. We didn't blame it on grandpa. We didn't put it off on somebody else, but we raised our kids.
And I, I, I'll hasten on. I, I feel so bad. Two things are desperately needed and are demonstrated in the early church. Acts chapter 9, verse 22 talks about Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews. And verse 23, and after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Let's go down to verse 28. And he was with them coming and going out of Jerusalem. He spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed. And then to our text tonight, verse 31, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, are enlightened, educated, informed in walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. As I already read to you, a translation said they, they, they had a time of peace and their help came from the Holy Ghost. And they became stronger in the faith and showed the respect to the Lord by the way they lived. And the church everywhere grew in numbers. Why fear? Why a reverence and an awe? Why a respect and a carefulness, a concern? Job 28, 28 says that it's required for wisdom and knowledge. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 3 and 7, 1 Peter 2 and 17, It is commanded of God that we have fear or reverence. Fear isn't a dictatorship. It's not a fear of what are they going to do if I don't, but it's a submission to a higher force that is looking out for your best interest. The characteristics of spiritual men and women are going to be those that fear God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, as the music can get ready, by faith. Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared the ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Let me ask us parents tonight, what are we preparing Is there a reverence in all that we build? We build something that brings safety. Because see, in our thinking, in our thoughts, we think, no, no, no. If we do this, we're going to run our kids off. Now, I, I, I know it's getting late, but I feel the Holy Ghost in here. I feel that if we just tune in, there's a couple parents and there's some grandparents in here. I'm encouraging you, don't get complaining about the church. Don't get talking down about the church. As the old song says, if it was good enough for Paul and Silas, uh, it's good enough. Hey, if it kept me saved, Bishop, it's going to keep my children saved uh, and my grandchildren. Uh, if God tarries in my great-grandchildren. 
I read this the other day, and I had to stop. Brother Urshan, and I asked myself, beyond the church and my responsibilities, am I moved with fear that I'll go against everything that makes sense? What you build, Noah? Mocked, laughed, pressure, decade after decade, preacher of righteousness. Why just his family? Because they had a respect when dad was moved with fear, and he obeyed the voice of God. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but mama... Don't be given to fear that's not of God, but be moved with fear of God. Daddy, hold on. Keep building. Keep bringing them to church. I'll divert from my notes for a moment, but I remember years ago in Michigan, they said one of our preachers kept going with a teenager, and I may have told this story at another meeting I preached, I don't know, but they said he kept going to, to a jail, and and court hearings, and this young man would be there, and the preacher would show up, and the judge would say, you know this man, preacher? He'd say, yeah. He goes, well, I'm going to let him out. I'm going to let him out. I'm going to let him out. Judah, can you help me for just a minute? Come on up here. I like this man. Come on. And Judah, you'll be that guy. And the judge this time says, preacher, we're going to release him, but he's leaving the building with you right now. And they set him free, and as they're walking out to the car, walk slow. The preacher got out in front of everybody, police officers, people walking in and out of the court. He goes, church, 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 keep walking. Church, right out here in the middle of God, everybody. Church, 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 come on, church, church, church. When they got to the car, he said, son, do you get the message? The boy just looked at us at church. He said, I'm here to tell you, if you're going to get deliverance, it's church. Yeah. If you're going to die saved, it's church. If you're going to break this habit, you better be in church. Church is where your answer is. It's not on the ball field. It's not on a dance floor. It's not at a college. It's not at some other institute. It's at church, 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 church. We need more. Why the Holy Ghost? They were moved with fear and walked in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. I think we all know about that. I'm going to close with this. I read this the other day found it again today and copied it. Why church? Why prayer meetings? Why is everything centered around the camp? I don't know why I'm preaching this. This this should be a Bible study night maybe, not a conference. No, sir. Sure. 
Sound like a grandma's voice saying, we need to hear it. Thank God. <laughs> Woo! All right. Let me tell you, we're not going to win the adversary or win our kids from the adversary by trying to give them the things they want of the world. We're not going to win them by getting them out there and letting them play and do this and do that. And I don't even know where this church stands, but I got a good feeling. One already said it. You're not going to win it by turning them over to Hollywood. They're not going to get it by turning it over to sports, Brother Buxton. It just ain't going to happen. You say, you can't preach. I can tell you I can preach that. I remember when my wife got in church as a teenager and her brother came in. He, had a, he was the gold pad award winner in football in his junior year. He got saved that summer at our church. And I remember the night we was playing miniature golf out at the uh, one of the places there in our city. And the phone went off and he answered it. And they said, hey, this is the coach. You weren't at practice today. He said, coach, I want to tell you, I'm not going to practice anymore. He goes, what are you talking about? You have scholarships waiting for you. He said, coach, uh, something changed in my life. They took away his award. They done all this. But I'll never forget, three nights later, five of those football players came to church with him. And they were going to intimidate him. He said, what should I do, brother Paul? I said, bring them to the front row like you always said. He got on the front row and they got clapping hands. Or he, Randy started clapping hands. And guess what? All of them started clapping their hands. Before Randy knew it, Randy started running the aisles. Before we knew it, we had six football players running the aisles. This is a God's truth. Randy didn't know what to do. He stopped in front of the pulpit and just raised his hands after he ran a lap around our church. The bishop came down, laid hands on him. One by one, they started speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Don't tell me God can't take that out of them. But he didn't go back to the field to try to fight the battle. He stayed in the church. I said he stayed at the church. Man, I could tell you stories. One of the greatest elders in our church, Brother Arnold. He, we didn't even know it. As a teenager, he went to church. And my dad was the youth leader way back then. Backslid some 20-something years on an Easter Sunday. Came back to church. Something tongued at his heart. Came back that Easter Sunday night. God renewed him in the Holy Ghost. Filled his wife with the Holy Ghost. She got baptized. His daughter got the Holy Ghost. The problem was he was the softball coach. And she was the star player. But after one service, speaking in other tongues, the Holy Ghost spoke to her and said, you don't look right in that. You can't go there. She went to her dad and said, I'm not going back. He said, I'm not coaching. You would have thought an uproar. But within the next two months, seven girls from that softball team came to church, got the Holy Ghost, and many of them are still serving God. But we got to be like an eagle. When an eagle goes to fight a snake, 
He don't fight the snake on the snake's territory. No. But he picks it up into the sky and he changes the battleground. And then releases the snake into the sky and the snake has no stamina, no power, and no balance in the air. And it is useless, weak, vulnerable, unlike the ground where he is powerful, wise, and deadly. I don't know about you, but I'm looking for some moms and dads and for some young people tonight and some grandparents to say, listen, we're going to be like the like the eagle. We're not going to fight them on his territory, but we're going to mount up with wings as eagles. We're going to take that adversary and bring it to our battleground. We're going to bring it to the church. We're going to bring it to the altar. We're going to bring it to worship. We're going to bring it to old-fashioned prayer meeting. We're going to walk in the field of God and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Just lift our hands towards heaven right now and talk to God. Come on, somebody. Don't worry about who's by you. Why don't you take it to the right battleground right now? Walk in the fear of God, the comfort of the Holy Ghost, and the church will multiply. It'll grow. We'll grow within. We'll grow numerically. Great multitudes will be added. But we can't do it the way of our thinking and the way of the world. we got to do it right we got to do it right. I know I was preaching on revival tonight, but I feel like there's some folks here that need to bring it to the altar. Maybe some of the children, some of the battles you're fighting in your home, your marriage, you need to bring it to the right battleground. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, why don't you go ahead. Dad, walk down to that altar right now. Mom, Grandma. Teenager, come to that altar right now and bring it to the right battleground. You're not going to fight it with logic. Come on, be moved with fear. Draw some lines, clean out some closets right now. Make some commitments to God for the church to grow. We got to move in the fear of God and walk in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. When you're walking, you're moving. You're progressing. You're gaining. Come on, everybody, lift your voice. Lift your voice right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We need you right now, God. We need you right now, God. Come on, that's it. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. Come on, everybody, 